Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Debbie Manning. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And we get to talk about fasting today. Do I get a couple of whoop whoops? Because I got to tell you, when I saw my name on that preaching schedule and saw what I was assigned to preach about, I did not go whoop whoop. I kind of went, oh, okay. But what I promise you is that you're going to walk away today and you're going to learn what I learned about the beauty of fasting because it's actually an amazing spiritual discipline, one that I don't think we talk about much here, but one that I think could be just another beautiful way to connect us in deeper relationship with God. So we've been in this Sermon on the Mount series all year. Since last September, we did the Beatitudes uh, during the fall. And then in January, we started out continuing in the Sermon on the Mount. And we, we talked about righteousness and how Jesus raises the bar on righteousness far above the religious leaders of the day. And he says that righteousness starts here, that it's internal, that's reflected in the ex- external. And then a few weeks ago, we started talking about the the religious disciplines of the day, that of giving, praying, and today, fasting. And Jesus says that there's a heart of God that we need to have when we give, fast, and pray. Sort of the three, the three big ones of the day. As Jesus talks to his followers and he gives them these timeless instructions on these three critical things in the Christian life, we have to start under this umbrella of Matthew chapter six, verse one, where Petey started out three weeks ago, and that's this. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. In each of those practices, giving, praying, fasting, Jesus says the same thing, that what's important is your motive. Where is your heart in those things? Jesus says that if our motive has anything to do with who's watching and what we look like, that we've got it wrong. What he says is that we do these things for God alone. And for that reason, he gives us specific instructions on how to hang on to that kind of integrity And he talks about the idea that outward appearance has to be matched by an inward reality. So the Hebrew scriptures, they shaped the Jewish religion of Jesus' day. And while fasting wasn't a commandment, except for the one time a year during the Day of Atonement, it was practiced regularly. And it's important to know that in Jesus' day, those that fasted were seen as really, really, really righteous. In fact, it was known that the Pharisees fasted two times a week. But Jesus has something to say about that. And so, right now, we're in Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18. And as our team decided that we were going to fast from screens, not in a way to look at us and go, Look at us, we're fasting from screens. But in a way to say, maybe we could connect with God in a different way, in a deeper way. So pull out your Matthew journals if you have them, where the scripture verses is, or grab a pew Bible in front of you, and you can just simply listen along if you want as I read Matthew 6, 16 through 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, 
For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. I think what's interesting about this passage is that there are two timeless principles. And the first one, I have to admit, is not something I would ever do as one of my regular practices, and that's this. We are to fast regularly. Jesus assumes his followers are fasting, right? He says, and when you fast. It was a practice of the day. It was a way uh, for them to connect with God deeply. It was part of their prayer, part of their devotion, part of their worship. And again, it was about growing this internal self in order to connect with their heavenly father. And I think it's worth noting that Jesus himself fasted, right? Remember 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness as he fasted and the tempter came out and said, hey, turn that stone into bread. And what was Jesus's response? Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. All along, Jesus has been telling his followers that a life of faith, a life of growing is a life growing spiritually from the inside out, growing into the image of Christ. And this spiritual discipline of fasting is one of the ways that we can do that. And what happens when we do that, fasting can produce these things, a greater awareness of the presence of God, a greater longing for the presence of God. Remember the psalmist, taste and see, and you'll want more. And it deepens our dependence on God as the ultimate satisfier. Dallas Willard, who is a theologian and a scholar, he said this about fasting. Fasting unto the Lord is feasting. Isn't that beautiful? Fasting unto the Lord is feasting. So why fast? We fast out of a genuine desire to know God. Remember back to the Beatitudes in the fall, Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. So that's it. We are to fast regularly. I think, I'm guessing, that's foreign to most of us. It certainly is to me. It doesn't even feel that relevant today. I don't think the American church talks about it very much. And I'll tell you, my own experience is not only limited, but I'm not sure I had a full understanding of what it was about. I don't think my own motives were very pure. I mean, I remember Lenten seasons where we'd say, hey, we're going to give up sugar. And as a side note, I might lose a few. I mean, I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about. I remember back when our kids were growing up and we decided as a family, we are going to give up pop for Lent. Well, unfortunately, we had a road trip to Colorado as a family right in the middle of Lent, 14 hours, and mom and dad felt like they needed a little caffeine from that pop. And as we said to the kids, I think we'd be okay. I think God would understand if we had a, just took a little break and had a little pop. Our middle daughter, Annie, who was 10 at the time, was, oh, we made a commitment to God. We cannot break that. 
So Steve and I doing the integrous, godly thing, we waited till everyone was asleep and we went through the McDonald's drive-thru because we needed our caffeine. So I know that I haven't fully gotten the point of fasting. But I think what we could do is look a little more broadly in our current context while we keep the message and meaning that Jesus had for us in mind. Because the spiritual discipline that Jesus talks about here is that of denying gratification of self in order to find our satisfaction in Jesus. Let me say that again. Denying the gratification of self in order to find our satisfaction in Jesus. Well, that is simply countercultural today, isn't it? Because we live in a culture that seeks personal fulfillment. We pursue career and money and food and status and power and all sorts of things. And the irony is, it's not satisfying. It keeps us wanting. So maybe the challenge is for us to find some regular time, set aside some time, a rhythm, get a rhythm around something that we really love Set like food, set that aside so that we might encounter God in a different way. Because the intent is that while, while we might be fasting, it might prompt us to pray. Those hunger pains, the withdrawal, that might cause us to remember to connect and seek God. Because it's all a means to a greater end, denying self to experience God in a deeper way, a way that changes us. Setting aside something good for something even better. Now, I think fasting from food is just one means, right? I think we ask ourselves, what's our poison? Maybe a commitment to fast from TV or our cell phones or social media or Instagram, Facebook, whatever those things. Maybe from busyness to be able to identify those things and to say, I'm going to set those aside for a period of time in a regular rhythm, maybe that's what we do. And I think the big question that we ask ourselves are what are the areas of our lives that draw us away from Jesus? Because even these good things, because those are all good things, right? Too much of a good thing is not good for us. So what areas might we take a regular break from or maybe even cut out of our lives? What can we sacrifice in order for Jesus to take the front and center of our life? So that's the first principle. It's not really getting much getting around it, but the first principle is that fasting should be done regularly. And the second one is it should be done in secret. Don't you love that? I mean, Jesus gives us this how-to and what-not-to-do instructions. Now, one thing I wanted to pause and just clarify that while these spiritual disciplines, Jesus says, are to be done for God alone, that's different than this life of faith that we're called to live out there in the world. Because we know throughout Scripture, through the book of Acts, that we are to live our life in a way, through word and deed and heart, that points to Jesus. And that's the difference. Jesus is talking here about spiritual practices that point to ourself. So the current practice of Jesus' day 
seems to have been to advertise one's fasting by letting their hair and beard get all tangly and putting ashes all over their face. And Jesus says, that's play acting. That's putting a mask on. That real fasting is between you and God. It's not something we do to show off. So he says, do what you normally do. Wash your face, anoint your head, be normal. Don't fast in a way that makes yourself unrecognizable with the point of getting recognized. You don't point to yourself. It kind of reminds me of the words from Shanti. Now think about Shanti as like the, the 70s and 80s Richard Simmons of exercise, or perhaps for some of us older folk, the Jack LaLanne. But Shanti, Uh, does an exercise video that my husband and I used to do years ago called Insanity. And during one of his particularly difficult videos, an all-cardio workout, at the very end, there he stands, and he's cooling down, and there's his muscles, and he's all sweaty, and he looks up and he says, why do I do the things that I do? And then he pauses, and he says, because I want to look good. That is antithetical to Jesus' message today. It is not about looking good. It is about pointing to Jesus. And I'll tell you, friends, I think we're all at risk. We are all, all susceptible for doing things, for approval, for the applause. And I think some of the people that are greatest risk for doing that are the people who stand up on this stage. Whether we're praying or preaching or doing announcements or leading worship, that we can fall into the importance of performing. And that's not what God calls us to do. Because we all need that reminder. There isn't a time that I don't step up on the stage, whether it is for prayers or a message, that I don't pray before Him. God, remind me that this isn't about me and how good I do, it is about you and how great you are. Because I know I need that reminder because it feels really good when people affirm how good I am at what I do. But it's never really about that. So the question becomes, do I do this in a way to be seen by others? And boy, that is tempting. But Jesus tells us, beware. Throughout the Gospels, one of his main concerns is this hypocrisy doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about one of the things that might help us take off these masks is this idea of being aware of the lies that we carry, we might not even know we carry, that lead us to this kind of hypocrisy. And there are four things I thought about. Here's the first one. Believing that being a Christian is about doing the right things. Checking the right boxes. I got this. I did that. I was thinking about sometimes I think the big three on our day in our culture is reading the Bible, praying, and attending church. Hey, I did all those things. I'm good. I'm good to go. But that is not what it's about. It isn't about doing the right things. It's about relationship. It's about relationship with God and one another. It's duty versus love. It's about doing the right things or doing it because you love God so much. I think the second lie that we often believe is that the purpose of spiritual practice is so that I feel good. Boy, do I feel great when I am doing these religious practices. I am doing so good. The purpose isn't for me to feel great. The purpose is to glorify God. 
Thirdly, I think we fall into this idea that somehow we need to act more godly than we actually are. Sometimes they call that an imposter syndrome. And I'll tell you, when we fall into that, we learn how to talk the talk, but we perpetuate the lie by keeping it up. And lastly, I think sometimes we buy into this lie that the approval of others is worth more than that of God. Because it is so much easier to receive the applause of others than to practice faith in a closet. And at the end of the day, Jesus is saying, keeping up religious appearances simply doesn't cut it. It only goes skin deep. And Jesus, right here in this passage, he raises the bar for us. Because he wants all of us. He wants our whole heart, our lives. He wants us so passionate and eager to please God and love God that we will do everything that we do for God alone. You know, I've been here a long time, 25, 26 years, and had a lot of impactful sermons, but there is one that was given, I bet, 20 plus years ago when Judy Ritchie was here, and it has stuck with me. And that sermon was on this, that we have an audience of one. We have an audience of one, and that one is God. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus wants us to wash our face, to take off the mask. He wants to see our authentic selves because when we live a life that points to Jesus, the reward is this depth and breadth of life that we can only have when we connect deeply with him. But when we act to pointing to self like the Pharisees, Jesus says, truly I say to you, they have received the reward. And they've gotten exactly what they wanted. There's no real spiritual, righteous benefit to their fasting. There's no relationship with God in that because that's not what the Pharisees were looking for. What they cared about, what motivated them was to be noticed by other people. And that's their reward, getting noticed by people. And that's it. And that's what Jesus says. That's it. They got it. And all of us here know that that kind of reward lasts about this long. That kind of satisfaction lasts about that long. But the lasting, the satisfying reward comes from a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And that can only happen when we set a self our when we set self aside and we step into practices and spaces where we can truly meet and experience God. And sometimes those practices and sometimes those spaces, they're not comfortable. And they're really hard. But boy, they are all so worth it. When I was studying up on this, there was a pastor that said this about the reward in this passage. The reward is not glamorous, but oh, it is so glorious. And I love that. It is so glorious. So do we have the heart to engage in something that's foreign to us, something uncomfortable and unfamiliar that might stretch us? Can we see spiritual practices like fasting for what they are, a gift and a doorway into a relationship with God. So as we get ready to enter Lenten season, I have a challenge for us, and I include myself in that. 
I have a challenge for us to look at ourselves honestly. Look at our lives, our motivation, our hearts as it pertains to our own spiritual practices or maybe lack of practices. And can we honestly identify those things in our life that take us away from experiencing Jesus? Can we fast from something that takes us away from God? Whether that be food or busyness or media or TV, whatever that is for us. Because that's the challenge for Lent. An intentional fasting practice that puts Jesus in the front and center of our lives. So what will you lay down in order to meet Jesus? Jesus talks about these spiritual disciplines and he says those in themselves aren't the goal. It's drawing closer to him that is. And fasting is a discipline that prepares us to feast on God. And you know what I loved the most about this short little passage? While it was convicting, while I learned a lot, while it was compelling, what I love the most about it It's an invitation. Jesus is inviting us into relationship with him through the spiritual discipline of fasting. So if you want to feast, if you want to be satisfied, if you want to be fulfilled, if you want to be content, if you want to ease the pain of life, Jesus says, I'm right here. Here I am. He's the living water. It's Jesus that's the bread of life, the source that never runs out, the feast that never ends. Let's pray together. Holy and gracious God, we come before you humbly, God, and um, I know for me convicted that um, I don't always put my spiritual disciplines into a regular practice. So God, I pray that... um, you might touch our hearts today, that you might move us to look honestly at our lives and those places that keep us separated from you and give us the courage, God, to lay those things down so that we might meet you in a transformational way. We thank you. We thank you that you are a God who loves us so much that you actually give us clear instructions on how to do this with you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.